All right, let's roll. Welcome everyone. Season two, episode two of Take Action Podcast with Monty and Yura. It's actually very exciting. It's our first time recording on the weekend. We usually do it during the week. Today's a Sunday fun day, so we took a chance and we recorded it. It's still during the day, so it's a day cast, basically. <laughs> Maybe next time you'll try to do a night cast, so we'll see what happens. Uh, the update of Green Bay, the Packers are in playoffs, so we're all patiently waiting for the next game and an uh, opponent is gonna bring us and I actually waited on Aaron Rodgers on New Year's Eve so we fed, fed them a credible meal so they better win nice <laughs> yeah a week later huh <laughs> yep. well you know that 10 days uh, later we'll blame uh, our if we lose. our food and those magical Papa Bravas potatoes that he likes they, <laughs> they do wonders so. oh yeah there you go and how was your week Monty my week was uh, pretty busy man I mean getting back after the first had a listing for uh, a house up in Lena, Wisconsin. So if anybody's looking for a house in Lena, Wisconsin, there's one up there. It's an amazing house. Did an update on our flip house this week too. I did a short little video on that. So you guys can see that on my social media pages, I guess, multiple social media pages. So that was good. Uh, progress is really great. We should be about a week away from doing that. Yuri, how's the weather? We got to do oh, that. That's, yeah. our, that's our segment. Everyone's favorite segment. When I was driving, it was fine. There's a nice, innocent flurries I could see through the window. So it's okay for now, but apparently all Hot Mess Express coming later today. We're supposed to get a sleet and 40-50 hour winds, but it's Sunday, so we're gonna shoot podcast. I'm gonna run away to my house and uh, winterize for the rest of the day. Probably <laughs> edit podcast. Yeah, we're and we're recording this on January 5th, so this one won't come out until January 13th, so I'm sure the weather will be either better or worse by then. Yeah, as, as long as it's not really nasty and actually have better news, I had a major man cold. Right around New Year, so it was not fun working and all of our real guys can relate that man cold is is not a joke. <laughs> this, is, this is the second or third time we've discussed the man cold on the Take Action podcast, by the way. Well, we have a lot of ladies in the studio and for some ladies, they don't realize what consequences and how hard being man cold. So... <laughs> 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 so just for educational, I even heard a comparison. I'm gonna get killed for this one. That <laughs> man cold in some cases are almost as bad as giving the birth. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we may want to edit that one out. Yeah, I'm I know. Just I'm just kidding. No, keep that one in there. We'll have, well, at least we'll get some banter back and forth from the ladies, so that'll be good. You just lost half your listeners. Right. <laughs> well, at least we got jokes out of your way. We're probably going to move on to the most serious part of our <laughs> podcast, so entertaining's over. Yeah, no, man. I mean, today is all about entertaining, I think. It's, you know, we have an amazing guest on. His name is Brandon Rockstro. Brandon, what's happening? Hey, ma'am. So happy to be on. I uh, just think it's so cool that you guys are doing this for our community. Uh, hopefully to break out from northeastern Wisconsin, I'm assuming statewide, maybe yeah, nationally. Nationally, we have 16 different countries you've listened in Dude, so far. Dude, it's just amazing. Yeah. I really applaud what you guys have been doing. I just think it's fantastic and something that everybody needs in their life. Yeah, today I'm excited because we're broadening our horizons a little bit. I mean, the theme, you know, obviously in Take Action is to take action. And so in some cases, you got to branch out a little bit. At first, it was just to get people motivated and get, get things started. And now it's evolved a little bit. I think one of the really cool things that's happened 
happened and what we found is the feedback's been amazing because people are getting little nuggets out of all of our guests. And I think the cool thing about all of our guests for the most part is they're regular people, but they're doing extraordinary things. Mm. And I think that's something special and something really cool. And I think every person has that. So if you're just a listener out there where you're you're down, you're, you don't know what to do, there is, there's light at the end of the tunnel. And I think that's one of the cool things. There's something unique about every single person in the world. It's just a matter of finding it and you yeah. know, finding your passion and doing that. And you have a unique one because I mean you're a, you're our first real music person mm. that's come on and, cool, and not just not just you not just music but I'm talking like we're talking about being in a band at one point yeah. writing plays that we're gonna get into some of that stuff here but you're also a choir teacher yeah man so how did you get into teaching choir well first of all I just <clears throat> to touch a sec- for a second on what you just said about everybody no matter where you're at in life is capable of, of taking action and it's just about finding that passion and so for me when I was in high school I took a uh, I'll be real honest. I joined a choir class kind of on a whim. My buddy was like, dude, there's chicks and it's easy. And I was like, yeah, that's uh, that sounds amazing. And Sign so me up. Signed up. Where'd and, they go? Uh, that's totally, why I went out for track. Perfect, right? Yeah. And actually, same reason I went out for track as well. But, you know, I was a teenage boy and that's what sold me on the class. And all of a sudden, I just fell in love with kind of the camaraderie. I'd always been a sports guy and realized that in music, you can still have that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I fell in love with what, what choir did to me and what it did to our class and was like, you know what, I think I want to do this for a living. And so that's really what initially got me interested in the profession and went off to college and pursued it. Cool. And so what was like, what was the one thing you said, camaraderie, like team atmosphere, maybe that, and that's the reason why I've played sports and I still play sports. I mean, I'm playing rec league and it's it's different now. There's a lot more beer involved than there was back then. (laughs) I think that's, you know, something is you got that extended family. I think that comes from, you know, from being in something like that. So that's just something that I like. I know now the younger kids, they have something where they, in the video game, and other things where they get in these communities. Yeah. And I think it's important to like, you know, obviously have those social skills, not isolate in a world where we can be communicating with somebody across the world and have a Google translator or some translator there where we can talk to them. And sometimes even with Yuri and when they're talking Russian around me, I'm in there Googling what (laughs) what the hell they're saying. But I think you can isolate yourself a lot more now by coming together in these communities of music, sports, online gaming, whatever. Yep. I think that's an important trait and that keeps people with the right frame of mind too. Well, and when you think about it, it's kind of a microcosm of society that certain people are going to take leadership roles, certain people are going to be followers, it's going to develop good communication skills, problem solving skills, people are setting goals, people are taking action in their own lives. And right. So that's what happens on any team and it's certainly true in a music ensemble. For sure. Now you're teaching choir. Yep. What, uh, how did you get into like wanting to teach? Like you had mentioned why you wanted to be part of music and yeah. you know, be part of there. How did you get into teaching? Yeah. So I was in a rock band uh-huh. for five years throughout my like high school-ish time and then decided after that inspirational experience at the end of high school that this is what I want to pursue for a career being in music somehow and being in band like in a rock band that is then I joined the musical at school I joined the the play show choir kind of all barbershop all these different things that I could do to get more immersed in it and every time I would join something else I found myself loving it even more than I did previously so the idea of my teacher inspiring me uh, when I was in high school so much personally to just get the best out of my every day I really wanted to be able to use music to help other students uh, do the same thing in my future. And so that's kind of what brought me into the profession. And I I soon fell in love with teaching more than I did music even. Sure. So as leaders, 
uh, making leaders. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And this is so cool. When I was growing up, I wish I could play. God didn't give me <laughs> the ear or the voice. I love music. I enjoy it. It gets me out of my bad mood. But every time I try to sing, I have to either lock myself in the car or in the shower. Otherwise, <laughs> people people around not enjoying the process. That's why we have a real musician today in the show. Well, I think that's one of the cool things, though, honestly, is like everybody can relate to music. And so being in the school setting, when I first got to the, my current position, I would go in the commons just to try to meet more students and meet them wherever they're at. If someone's interested in hip hop or the next person likes jazz, the next person likes pop music, whatever it is, everybody has an interest in music, no matter what background you have. And so if you can meet them at that level and bring them in to say, you know what, we still have something for you in this class uh, and, and really in music in general, you can kind of rope them in and then they start loving the camaraderie and the social aspect of it. For sure. And I think that's one of your very unique strengths that, that you recognize, but you've taken it to the next level and you've used that as a strength to not only build yourself up, but also all the other kids around you. Your choir class, from what I read online, you went from 104 students to 260 did i read that right or 240 yeah something like that 240 that's um, incredible thanks man I mean, a lot of it came into <clears throat> like setting forth a vision that people could buy into setting goals that are high goals that when i first came there were literally laughed at uh by some people and i was like you know what guys we're just going to incrementally build this thing and we're going to do it together it's not going to be one person leading the way it really i just cast a vision and and people bought into that vision and then so collectively we were able to accomplish a lot in terms of recruitment in terms of improving what we were doing and I think that's really possible in any setting that's the goal with the musical that I've written that's the goal um, I'm sure you have for take action any business any classroom any group you just want to incrementally continue to grow so that eventually you reach your long-term goals yeah no that's great so how did one question I have and I'm always curious about this because I, I graduated in the late 90s yeah right and so choir was a girl thing right yep. there was very few guys in choir and you know obviously the label on those guys were wasn't very good it was yep. their wusses or whatever and mm -hmm. so how do you how do you I mean I, I would assume it's better now 20 we're talking 22 years later since I graduated from high school but how do you is there still that machoism sexism type thing going on with yeah with choir? I, I think one of the cool opportunities that we have and I choose to treat it as an opportunity and think of it as an opportunity is that exists in our society and quite frankly I think masculinity in general is something that's misunderstood by a lot of people and, and people try to put people or put others in a box. And so one of my favorite parts about teaching is kind of redefining masculinity for people, mm -hmm. showing them that expressing yourself can be masculine, that all of the people that choose to be creative, that choose to express themselves, that choose to work on their own communication abilities, which they're doing through music, all of those people are going to be better dads and better husbands, better business owners, better friends, just because they've learned how to problem solve and learn how to communicate their own feelings rather than resorting to kind of stereotypical, you know, violent behavior or violent violent outbursts or things like that. So absolutely, I think it is changing in our society, but I think it's one thing at a time. You know, if we're one choir class at one school and we're changing the culture there. When I first came there, there were 17 dudes in the whole choir department. We've got like something like 85 now. Wow. I mean, we've had many years where there were multiple men's choirs, just men only. We've got one right now there. And the guys are really starting to take pride in being expressive and creative. And what's been cool about it, it's not just one subset of, or one student type that 
takes my class, they're, they're popular kids and they're kids from different financial backgrounds and racial backgrounds and experience levels. And so you get really some of the smart kids, some of the kids who struggle to stay in school attendance wise, some who are struggling with their GPA, um, all those type of kids. We want it to be an environment where each of them comes and feels welcomed to be a part of it. I love it. I love it. And that's the one thing I hope that as we continually evolve as a society, we just we can get past the whole labeling yeah. and just be people. You yep. know, like we're all Americans, right? We're not Republicans or Democrats. Yep. We're not black. We're not white. We're yep. just people. We're people living together, loving each other and being good to each other. I think that's important that we continually do that. And I think that's awesome that you've been able to take that masculinity, sexism type part out of it and allow it to just let people be people and let them do what they want to do, or at least allow them to be more well-rounded. I Thanks, think that's man. another thing. I think that's awesome. I think one of the things uh, you actually, in your podcast last week, you were saying something about, I think it was last week's when Billy was back on. Yeah. You were saying something about politics dividing people back in 2016, and you're hoping that doesn't become the case in 2020 here. That's, again, kind of a microcosm of society in general. We're so, even with the Packers, we're, we're so, we love picking teams and picking sides and having mm-hmm. enemies. When in reality, we as human beings have so much in common. And if you can just focus on the right. commonalities rather than the differences, you'll, you'll be much more accepting of people's yeah. differences. So that's kind of been my philosophy towards the choir program where I teach. Also, my attitude towards music in general. Yeah, I'm still going to hate Bears fans and Viking fans. Though. <laughs> Amen to that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't get over that part. But yes. I'll love them when the teams aren't on the field. But for three hours, sorry, bro. It's that's, that's it. So you guys are starting to see now. I mean, you were, what, 15 minutes into this podcast, 10 minutes into the podcast. And you guys are already seeing our listeners why Brandon's won a lot of awards. I mean, you've oh, won thanks, Golden Apple, Teacher of Distinction, Outstanding Young Choral Director Award. I thanks, mean, man. that's you get it, though. Like, that's the bigger picture. My beef a lot of times with our school systems is there are some amazing teachers. Like, you're one of them, obviously. You're seeing the bigger picture. We're focusing on when they graduate. You were talking about yep. being better dads, better employees, better all these different things. And I think that's a lot of times what really great coaches do. That's what yep. great teachers do. And when you think back to, like I said, I 22 years ago, I can remember my favorite teachers. Yep. I remember my communications class. I remember all the, you know, my teammates and all those people that have some sort of imprinted impact on yep. me for the rest of my life. You're going to be, you're that for a lot of kids that come through high school. And Thanks. I think you see the, the legacy that you're trying to leave. Maybe you're not even looking at it as a legacy, but you're actually leaving a legacy for and building a foundation for these kids, which is, I think, is special. It's awesome, man. Thank you. And I just hope, you know, 10 years, 15 years down the road, whenever I run into these kids, no matter what they're, well, not kids anymore, whenever I run right. them as men or women, right. whatever they're doing with their lives, that they're happy and they're content where they're at and yep. they're still dreaming big. And it sounds kind of cheesy that we tell young children to do that. But I think we, as a society, kind of crush imagination. You know, mm-hmm. When you're a kid and you're playing house or you're playing cops and robbers, it's cool to do that. It's the thing to do. And then when you get in elementary school and a kid's doodling in class, we're like, hey, focus. You know what right. I mean? Stop yep. doing that. When imagination is such an awesome thing, even for us as adults, when we continue to imagine and set dreams for ourselves, it's really no, there's nothing we can't do. Right. You know what I do when I get to a point where I like feel flat? I'll go buy a lottery ticket. Because hmm. then it just gets, I have no intention of ever winning anything, it but it just gets me, not even excitement, it just gets my wheels turning. Hmm. What would I do with $200 million? What yeah. could I do with $200 million? And then it's like, you know, the ability to like go back and say, okay, I'm not going to win this thing, yep. but it just gets that creative juices flowing again. Yes. You know, or you listen to a certain song and you pick out a lyric in there, all of a sudden, like people always talk about songs that change their lives and there's out there, yep. you know, Glorious by Macklemore, the first two verses in that have really like perspective thing, but he's spot on with, with the lyrics in there. Yep. Just little things like that are, are so huge. Music brings that, sports bring that. Absolutely. Extracurriculars, I think that's important. And that's the cool thing about what you're doing is you're 
you're an extracurricular, you're not a math teacher, you're not a science teacher, like those are by the book. Sure. This is how it's been done for hundreds of years. Yeah. You can't really change science anymore. You can only look for new advances. <laughs> sure. In schools, we teach the history of science. We don't teach a lot of the advancements in science because nobody's found it yet. Sure. I think it's awesome what you're doing, man. I think Thanks, that's buddy. great. We're going to kind of switch into here. Now, the thing I'm really excited about for you, and you started writing plays when? When did you start writing plays? Well, my when I was in middle school, my middle school choir director back then had a, a bucket list item. Her name is Mary Eisenreich. She's since passed on, but she had a, a life goal of writing a musical. And I remember being this, I don't know, 13-year-old kid being like, that's such a cool idea. I've always enjoyed movies and shows and music. And so what if you could combine basically a movie, but have it be done right live in front of you and involve music? To me, it was like every element of intrigue uh, and entertainment that I personally enjoy. And so it was, it was something I always kind of set for myself that that would be really sweet if I could eventually do that. And then I started my college journey and my he's one of my best friends still today. He told me about his sister who had fallen in love. She was a caretaker and she fell in love with one of her clients. Basically, he was in a drunk driving accident. That wasn't his fault. And I, immediately I was like, dude, that's my story. There it is. That could be a premise for an awesome musical. Yeah. And so the dream kind of started there and it evolved beyond that. I could get into that further if we want to, but ultimately it just started with that. For sure. So idea. you're at a point now where you've written a play called yep. The Book of Empty Pages, right? Yep. Let's talk a little bit about that. Where, is that where the inspiration came from? Is that? Yeah. So it, it came <laughs> from, uh, her name's Kelly. And so it's based on a true story, but then everything from yeah. there was fictionalized basically. Yep. I, I knew I'd have to have a main villain to the story. I knew I'd need to involve, musicals are, are notorious for involving a lot of people. Not every musical does, but I wanted to have a big cast. And so I'm like, well, how can you involve all these other people in it? How can the songs be sung not just by two characters, but by a lot of characters? And so basically the premise came from uh, Kelly's inspiration. Kelly and Patrick is the other man and the, who ended up dating for a while in real life. And when we premiered the show, actually, Kelly recorded like a video that I got to show the cast right off the bat. Oh, I was cool. like, hey, I'm the real Daisy is the character's name. <laughs> and I'm the I'm the real Daisy. And I just want to wish you guys luck tonight. And um, so it started from there. But basically the, the premise, I started thinking about movies and the classic movies. Happily Ever After is like the goal of the movie. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like kind of cheesy. Yeah. And I was like, well, what if Happily Ever After isn't necessarily the goal? It could be a piece of the puzzle, but it, it doesn't need to be the goal. Not every story ends happily. Not every story doesn't have outside conflicts. And so I used those elements that intrigued me personally in other stories to say, let's create a story that's a little bit more complex than your typical cheesy two people falling in love Yeah, story. happily ever after. Yeah. And that's where, where things end yep. uh, type of thing. Yep, for sure. Yeah. And people love drama. So if it will be just a simple story, <laughs> might be not that exciting, yeah. but you twist it a little bit. For sure. Add a little element of drama and you're in the right direction. Yeah. Especially <laughs> nowadays, right? Like, oh, yeah. Since the real world came out, like, look at how look at how much we've devolved as yes. <laughs> some of us have devolved as humans. I like walk in and we have TV shows called Teen Mom and yeah. girls are getting pregnant just to get on that show and it's like, good <laughs> God, man, like you really are there's only like five people on that show and there's like yes. too many teenagers that are pregnant. It's you know, true, but that we kind become of consumers of drama. Right. Really. We enjoy drama. I think so that's part of our political that. problem. Yep. Like people love Absolutely. love it. Like I think that's half the problem. Like people don't even know what they're arguing, but they just want to argue. Yes. Because they want to have that mm, that drama. It fires them up. Yeah. And so why can't we create something? Part of the philosophy behind the book of 50 pages is can we create something that fires people up? That at intermission or at the end of the show, people walk away impacted in some way, even if it pisses them off. Yeah. If it makes them sad, if it makes them happy, whatever it is, they're impacted personally by it. That means they've invested in your story and ultimately you've been successful then as a writer. For sure. So what's your favorite part of writing? 
writing? Like maybe mm-hmm. that part of it is getting a reaction. Like is that is that it or like That's or the process? Like I think for those listeners out there who maybe we have somebody who wants to write a play or, yeah. or write something. Like let's start. Well, actually, you know what? Let's let's edit that out and let's go back to how do you how do you start writing a play? Well, I think it starts with a premise. Uh, what I did in when I had the dream and knowing it was a big dream, I was like, let me come up with a premise that's interesting, and then I'm going to have to create conflicts and create characters. And so I started to kind of plot out what would be an interesting story. And as that evolved, I realized that you're going to have to add more drama here. You're going to add more humor here. There has to be kind of a release of emotion at this moment. You have to build. If two people are going to fall in love, and that's really what the story is based on, how do you make them fall in love in a believable way that doesn't take forever? Those are some of the challenges that I fought early on. But what I did is I watched some TED Talks and YouTube videos of other writers of what I would consider successful shows, successful movies, people that I look up to as writers. And it was so interesting to hear their feedback on how do you add humor? How do you build up tension between two characters? Uh, How do you provide background information on a character without boring us? All that stuff. Mm -hmm. Cool. And I think for a lot of people listening, is it's not something that you wrote in like two weeks. This is no. this is what a four or five year yeah endeavor? at least uh, I would say in 2008 is when the the premise started. In 2012, I started writing music for it. 2015, I scrapped a lot of that, rewrote stuff. 2016 was when I wrote the first iteration of the show. In 2017, it premiered for the last year and a half. I've been editing again, reorchestrating the whole show. So it, it takes a so lot we're on a ten year journey right now yeah. with this. Yeah, about a ten year journey, and I would say half the songs have been rewritten, uh, scrapped along the way, or I kept one little idea from it. Sure. There have been characters that have been eliminated or added when I'm like, you know what, we need more conflict or we need more release, whatever <laughs> I, it is. I can so. picture you where they're like, Mr. Burns, yeah, I'm eliminating this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take them off. Take, get them out of here. And that's so cool. You're so passionate about it. So you're just trying to get it better and better. You're trying for all of our listeners or for your final audience. So they the show is mind blown. Thanks, man. Well, what's been cool is, and I mean this genuinely, it started out with, with my dream. It became my bucket list item. And I don't, it just was a personal thing for me. Mm-hmm. But then once we had rehearsals and a cast and other directors involved, it really became an us thing. Mm-hmm. And it's been, since I would say 2016, it's been a group project. And so now the metaphor I use to describe is that it's kind of like a child that we all raised. We yeah. all wanted to grow up and be successful, but it's not only mine. Yeah. Um, it belongs to all of us collectively and everybody had an influence on what it has become and what it continues to become. That's so awesome. I love it. So like, I think, and that's, that's you just created something from nothing, like an idea. Yeah. And now you have, how many people are involved? Um, I would say our main team is really just a handful of people, sure. five to seven people. But man, o- over the years, hundreds yeah. have been wow. involved in its progress. I mean, yeah. So you, I mean, that's so incredible that you took like just an idea, something up here, and then now you've impacted hundreds of people and maybe hopefully thousands if we can That'd be amazing. And get it to, you know, the next level. That'd be awesome. And there are some people that were in the show as like, maybe they had to move one set piece or they were grandpa number three in the original show. But one rehearsal, they were like, what if we change this line to say that? Or what if this was shortened or elongated? Their idea now is a permanent part of the show, even though they were just grandpa number three in the right. beginning you know so everybody no matter who you were can be a part of something like that yeah i think false. it's awesome too that you're open-minded enough to listen to that because you could sure. just be the dick who's yep. like oh i'm writing this this is what it is i'm not getting any feedback from yep. anybody else you were open-minded enough to like allow it to evolve and i think that's so cool like thanks man you know that's feedback is important it's okay for somebody to come up with an idea and you not to like it absolutely you don't have to incorporate it yep. but at least you listen to it and you know you get some better ideas that way well and you think about like the office one of my favorite shows ever. best show um, ever yeah no 
number one on my list. Absolutely. Yep. That show was written uh, collectively. Mm-hmm. There's and they they switched off lead writers yep. and, and different people, different directors per episode. And you look at the way that show evolved; it still all had the same common theme. You can, unless you watch carefully, you can't really tell which episodes were written or directed by different people. It just was the whole idea that collectively we are going to be able to create something greater than we would uh, individually. And the office is way bigger now than it was when it was on TV. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's, with the binge-worthy it's, culture. Oh man, been. it's so crazy. Like yeah. I, I've probably seen every episode ten times now. Yeah, I mean, it's not. Well, maybe not show. season one and nine. Those aren't my least favorite. But yeah, season one, Michael sucked in season one. Oh, <laughs> he was he too. Evolved, he yeah. was too douchey for me in season one. He got but way I think more likable. Yeah, because I think they went off the British version mostly, right? Yep. Yep. And I just, I'm not a huge fan of the British humor. It's too dry for me. Sure. So, but yeah, he's <laughs> some of the stuff they said in that show. Like if they said it now, they'd be off the air in like two weeks because yes. everybody's so sensitive. Yeah. But, <laughs> but that was his character. That, that was. was meant to push people outside of their comfort zone. Yep. But just enough for them to stick around. Yep. That they want to keep. They want to stay invested in the process. Exactly. So, all right. So, book of empty pages. Let me ask you this question. I, this is one that I had for you. And we're going to do a Q and A segment for okay. you to ask us later. I forgot to tell you that. So, okay. surprise. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but one of the. Uh, what's your favorite musical outside of your own? Well, uh, West Side Story has always been my my favorite story. And and for those that are unfamiliar with that, it's basically Romeo and Juliet set in in contemporary New York City. When I say contemporary, it was back in the 50s where it was actually written. But the uh, this you take two rival gangs and the leader of one gang falls in love with the sister of the other leader. Mm-hmm. And so there's just hatred mixed with love throughout the whole show. And yet they do. They have humor in there and there's dance and there's emotional moments and there's happy moments and anger and everything in between. And so for me, any show that takes you through that kind of emotional spectrum I love. Yeah. I, I want to feel like goosebumps. I want to laugh. I want to almost cry. I want to be angry at certain characters. Any show that does that really fits my personal bill of expectations. For sure. That's awesome. What about you, Yuri? Who's your favorite? What's your favorite musical? Oh, that's that's a tough one. I'll tell you mine while you think about yours. Yeah. Mine, okay. is, mine is actually Rent. Oh, Rent's great. Yeah. like Because it, it's, first of all, growing up where I grew up, there wasn't a lot of, there's not anything about homosexuality there. There's not anything about race. I mean, yeah. we were a purely white community if anybody was gay. Well, I mean, there are some that, you know, have come out later on, but you didn't know. And you're dealing with drugs, you're dealing with yep. all different types of things. And we just, just stuff that I never was really around. Yeah. You know, it's like, holy It broadened your reality. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and the music's great in there too. It so is. that helps. So that's easily my favorite one. I've, I think I've seen it. Well, my wife is like a groupie. Mm. So she's seen it probably 10 times. I've yep. seen it three. Yeah. I mean, I've seen it enough now. I don't need to go see it again. It's been yeah. $100. Just last year. It was at uh, yeah, I went Wider, saw it there. I think, or PAC. PAC. Yeah. Yep. I went and saw it there. That'll probably be the last time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it enough now. I'll just sure. watch the movie if I need to. Uh, yep. Need to watch it and get the music uh, out of it. Yuri, did you figure well, it out yet? Prob- yes, I'll probably say if, if I don't butcher it, less miserably. Yes. Yep. That was really good concept. This is something that I really like. It's old in school. There is poverty. There's rich people. There's love. There's drama, fights. So it fits all of my criteria. Absolutely. Those are excellent shows. I, I really commend you guys for saying legit good shows <laughs> that have become cult classics because. They have all those elements. Yeah. And I think what Monty, you're touching on is anytime you can broaden people's reality and just make them think outside the box. I grew up too in suburban Green Bay, Wisconsin. Yeah. And then I went down to UW Milwaukee for school and holy moly. Yeah. That was already just two hours away. That was a different yeah. culture than I had been used to. And I loved it. I loved the fact that my whole ideals and my perspective was pushed simply by other people's reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's human emotional growth and yep. development is what that is. And being in different environments and keeping an open ear and an open mind is so important because you learn so much more than if you just shut it off and just yeah. stick with your own ideals. It's not not the way to go. You don't know, like again,
again, it's not you're that you have to agree or change your life or live a different way, but yeah. at least the more people you can understand yep. where they're coming from and why they're coming from that area, the more empathetic you can be. And you know, you just don't know what people are going through a lot of times. So absolutely, yeah. there's a there's a famous dance studio, <laughs> massive print on their wall. It says unity in diversity. I've always thought that idea is just really cool. That if you mm-hmm. can find other people who are different than you, and that you somehow bond over those differences, yeah. what a neat idea. And Go how, into a locker room. Yeah, I mean, for sure, for sure, like an NFL locker room or any locker room. You know, when I was in college and playing sports, that was the first time I had any African American teammates. Sure. And so you know, the only perspective I ever had on African Americans was Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre CDs and movies like Boys in the Hood and other things like that. So it was not a good way to like have a perspective of African Americans because I just it's easy to stereotype when you're not around. And so for being in a locker room, that was so important. You know, that's only 20 years ago. That's how crazy that is. Like that's the first time I was ever we're able to interact with anybody of a different race, which is just crazy. So like when you have people in certain areas where they're like super racist, Mm -hmm. it's because they were brought up to not be open-minded. It's and, true. You know, and it's sad because that they're just, they were told that they needed to have their their ears closed and their minds closed and yep. that sort of thing. And so if you can get out and experience it and meet some nice people of different worlds, different religions, different races, and then you can understand and come together, that, that's huge. But Absolutely. yeah, my stereotype was real for a while. I was kind of scared because I was yeah. told to be scared. And I thought everything, I, like when I went to college, I thought there was going to be drive-bys every day. Mm. You know, like, I mean, it's sad, but it's kind of what I was yep. watching TV and that's what was put on there. And the music I was listening to, which by the way, I know every word to every Snoop Dogg song and Can you prove doggy it? style. I have already, Brandon, you know this. <laughs> I've already proven this to you. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> All right, so what's next, Brandon? I mean, we're going into a book of empty pages, 2020 and beyond. What's going on? Yeah, so the show premiered in 2017 and 2018. Spent a lot of time revising it and submitting it to some national festivals, which is oftentimes the next step for uh, musicals. It was a finalist for two festivals, which I was encouraged by. I knew it needed some revision, so I took a ton of advice from the people that saw the original production, revised it, and then last year in 2019, we did a workshop in spring. Got over 400 suggestions from that, and so then this past summer, I revised those again. We're all just kind of honing in on the plot, on the story, kicking out characters that we don't need, trying to make it more marketable, quite frankly. And I know with your real estate business, so much of the world is about for something to thrive and survive, it has to be marketable. Mm-hmm. And so I, that's the goal right now in 2020. I'm planning on submitting the show to some more national festivals, some colleges, some regional theaters that perform new musicals. Uh, I'm trying to be realistic in the dreams, not necessarily set in sights on Broadway or anything like that. I'd love to have the show be published. Mm-hmm. It'd be cool that after my time has ended on earth, that my kids would know that this show that we created is out there Um, and in the real world and potentially being performed by some colleges. It's probably best suited for young adults slash college age. And so we're marketing it towards those type of universities and theaters that might perform this type of work. I love it. That's that's amazing. So have you started your social media stuff yet with it? Yeah. So we're on various social media. So our our website is thebookofemptypages.com. And of course, we're on all the major social media websites from there. We recorded an original album back in 2017, Mm -hmm. but since the music's changed so much this year, that's potentially something on the docket to sure. record an album so that when we market it, it's more realistic to what the show is today as compared to when it was originally I written. suppose it's crazy how, how our society's evolved just in three years that yeah. you got to already change music. And yeah. I was telling some folks yesterday when I was uh, had a recruiting talk with a family yesterday and the dad played college ball. And he's like, well, I played college ball, so I know what's going on. I'm like, mm-hmm. did you play college ball BG or AG? And he goes, what do you mean? I go, before Google or after Google? 
Google. Uh, <laughs> and he goes, yeah, it was before Google. I'm like, yeah, lots changed after Google, man. Absolutely. So, you know, everything is done online now, and that was only 17 years ago. Yep. So we're in a, well, you know, it's crazy. Kids that are that you're teaching have no idea what life is like without Google yes, or the internet. Absolutely. And I think that musicals historically, too, have always mimicked what society was currently going through yep. at that time, both musically and in the content of the yep. show. And so as the show is a 10-year project so far, what if it takes another 10 years to, to take off? Well, 10 years from now, I might have to edit the content yeah. of the music well, to evolve it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I'm okay with that. I just think it's cool that musical theater, and, and it was preceded by opera, all of that just mimicked society and gave people an opportunity to go be entertained, but also relate to what, um, what they were seeing. Yeah. So the Book of Empty Pages, the Cyborg Edition, might be coming out yes. pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> and it's truly amazing. Me and my wife were checking on your website right before I came in, so I was doing some reading, know what's going on. We found your music even on iTunes. Yeah. And your show sounds so intriguing, so I wouldn't wouldn't mind going seeing it. So Thanks, would you man. tell us and our listeners if somebody in Green Bay area or nearby where can we see your play? Well, right now the the music is on iTunes and Spotify, SoundCloud, all Amazon, all those major music platforms. And I don't know yet. The answer is in 2020. I'm hoping to have it staged somewhere. And there's just a ton up in the air. Uh, it could be anywhere in the country, but certainly on our website we're going to keep that going. Once we uh, we're going to keep that updated once we find out where it goes but the goal is in 2020 it gets staged somewhere cool Excellent. what about here's an idea for you and maybe you've thought of this but do you guys have marketing classes at southwest we do you do so maybe you collab with them yep see what they can do about you know using that as a project absolutely we've got some amazing marketing teachers there and i some students who are also interested equally in music and business and so wonderful opportunity for them to take something on personally cool you know that they can kind of make their side project outside of school but it also benefits their education we might be able to use them for our video project that'd be awesome that would be that would be really awesome, awesome. Yeah. Nice. and, the, and the kids will be excited that's something for them to do you know and even podcast guys or real estate successful businessman approaches i will be really excited if yeah. i'm a young kid somebody gives you an opportunity to prove yourself Agreed. to put some of your smart ideas out there is incredible yep. yeah for sure so let's turn it over to the new segment the old new segment we stopped doing it and then we had some complaints that we weren't doing it anymore sure. so we have the q a segment so basically, I know we, I forgot to tell you this before you came on, but it's world opens up, man. So you can ask us any question that you're intrigued about, Yuri or I, okay. or something you want to know about us. It can be on topic, it can be off topic. We can go as long as you want on this, but awesome. it's your turn to interview us. Cool. Yuri, you speak Russian. Yes? I do actually speak fluent Russian. Yep. Are you from Russia? I'm from Belarus. So okay. it's a small country between Russia and Ukraine. When I grew up, it was USSR. Okay. So we were one of the little republics. I speak fluent Russian. I speak Belarusian, I understand Ukrainian and Polish, and uh, Belarus actually translates into white Russia. Hmm. When my country was found, we were pure and innocent and friendly, and the next neighbor, Russia, they were like thinking about conquering the land and expanding and stuff. So that's how the term came, hmm. white Russia, because we were just pure and innocent and just wanted to be nice and friendly. <laughs> so it wasn't mountains of cocaine? <laughs> <laughs> Not at that 
time, I think they were performing their skills on moonshine. Oh, and some oh. homemade brews at the moment. There's probably, a whole white lightning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, then I'll ask. So Monty said, and I, I also grew up in, in suburban Green Bay, Wisconsin, which is really pretty white, pretty upper middle class, pretty Christian, you know, kind of one demographic. And I'm certainly generalizing. I know right. that there are subsets under it's there. It's different now, but... It is. And it's evolved. And for, for, for a good, in a good way. Absolutely. But you coming here as a foreigner, what age did you come here? I was 21. You're 21. So what what can you say about Northeastern Wisconsin and how well you've been accepted or what you'd like to see change in our community? I was... Pretty impressed, actually. First of all, I mentioned it in the show before. It's a big change from my country because mm-hmm. we coming out out of from post communism. Yeah. So the people in this country were always nice to me. Like I said, everyone's happy, everyone's nice and friendly to you. This is something what you not normally see in my country. Yeah. It's pretty weird. People are more private, I would say. So it's hard to see somebody starting conversations with people you don't know or being friendly. Sometimes it came even to the point when you get in weird looks for being overly friendly or smiling yeah. to someone. I was going to so, say, I heard rumors like, and you can confirm this, but like if you smiled at somebody, you were like, get punched. Wow. Not get punched, but I've been in situations before when I just been nice and friendly. I'm a genuinely happy person. I have a smile on my face 24-7, but yeah. I've been in situations when you just say somebody friendly, hello, how's it going? And you give them a big smile and they're looking back at you with a huge grin and basically saying, what uh, you smiling at sure. so that's that's Eastern Europe for me so moving to United States was a different experience there's still some things to improve like sexism racism politics those things sure those things always be there always it needs approval okay. I would say that's really cool love those answers and I love that it's just a good positive thing about our community I used to work at Brett Fowler Steakhouse and I remember asking there was a, a dad and his son who had a make-a-wish to visit every NFL stadium oh that's Sweet. And yeah, and I, I was serving their table and I was like, well, tell me what the loudest and what was the best fan base, all this stuff. And I was like, well, what can you say about Green Bay? And he said, well, from the moment we got off the plane in Milwaukee, it's been the nicest people. And it was the 29th stadium out of all 32. And so I was like, that's like the greatest compliment you could say Absolutely. about any city that we are kind people. And so yeah. I would hope that is the case about Wisconsin, hopefully the case <laughs> anywhere, but really want something positive uh, you can say about our community. And, and I, it kind of relates to my question for you, Monty, then you've always been wonderful at networking and people and, and social aspects in your, I don't know, 20 years, 20 some years of doing all of the networking and, and, and social jobs and activities that you've done, what would you say is one of the, the best parts of the growth you've seen in society and one one area where you still feel like we need to continue to grow in? Well, I think this is my pet peeve is political differences and just active listening to other people. I think that's where we absolutely need to grow because mm-hmm. first of all, the internet is to me a blessing and a curse at the same time because we don't know what's on the internet anymore, what's true. Our media, our news has become opinion. Mm-hmm. instead of factual and yeah. so people aren't listening or they're not getting the right facts anymore yeah. so they're just formulating their own decisions based off of undereducated opinions yeah exactly or like because somebody has beef with the president or somebody sides the other side you know they make their decisions you see it all the time on social media people are sharing yeah. their political activisms and they become and we've become a society of keyboard warriors yep. as well which is one of my my big things and we're a little bit more hypocritical I think than we used to be mm-hmm. I think the other thing though I 
think with that being said, after the initial shock of the election the last time and the two years, I think we've become exhausted mm-hmm. on arguing. So I think we've gotten to a point now where there is better understanding. We've become more in the middle. We still have the crazy left and the crazy right, but I think we've become more of a middle in agreement society that our politicians are all pretty much dicks and, sure. and they're not they're working for their own personal you know, not all of them, but of course majority of them is perceived as, as that. So I think we're coming together as a society that way. But I think also as much as our politics and our media has become divisive, mm-hmm. I think we are starting to come together a little bit more. We're we're accept we're more accepting of race, religion, and other things now than we have been. We just exploit the one percent of yep. shitty people. So as long as we can okay. stop being sheep and not even necessarily be leaders, but formulate our own decisions and our own thoughts based on facts and observations, then I think we're I think we are in a better spot. I think we've gotten through that the bullshit, so to speak. And sure. now we're kind of like, okay, yeah, I'm I'm tired of arguing. Sure. Let's just let's just come together and well, I give think each that's fantastic. And my last question is a heavy one it's for both of you guys. Okay. I've got two kids, yep. uh, and I believe you or you have kids as well. Yeah. Uh, how many kids do you have? Two. I got three and five year old. Fantastic. And mine are three and nine. And so I think I've always said that if one of my kids wants to be a doctor and the other wants to be a dance major, I'm going to support them equally. Mm-hmm. And and that's just my own philosophy. I know not every parent thinks that way. Um, but in my opinion, life's about taking action and taking pride in who you are and just owning. My favorite quote is embrace that which defines you. Mm-hmm. you know, be proud of who you are. And For so sure. my daughter's adopted. My, my son is biologically born to us. And I we love that. I love each of those stories. And I, I consider them special. They're not things to be embarrassed about or ashamed about. So you guys being fans and and really advocates for taking action, taking individual ownership of your dreams, where do you hope 20 years from now, whether you think of it from a kid perspective, like Monty, if you had a kid, Yuri, your own kids, where do you hope your, what, how do you hope society is different 20 years from now for the next generation? Wow, that is deep. (laughs) That is deep, but it's pretty simple. For me, I think it's just about, I think it's really simple as just being true to yourself. Everybody can live within their own skin. Uh, We have less insecurities. We have a better understanding of mental health and that people are doing what they're passionate about. Like you had Mm -hmm. said, if one wants to be a doctor, another one wants to be a dancer, then great, then do that. Mm -hmm. Just allow yourself to to do that instead of worrying about what people are gonna comment about you on a social media or what somebody's saying about you behind your back who cares like just be comfortable with who you are I'm hoping that's where we get because then we can all come together and celebrate our differences and our likes and I think that would be an amazing place like I hope I hope your kids get to grow up in that type of society where they're not so worried about keeping up with the Joneses and worrying about you know having a hundred thousand dollar car or what kind of watch they're wearing like how many likes they've received yeah well Instagram's taken the first step and they've taken that down like on how many likes and I think that's huge so yeah not worrying about what everybody else thinks about them just doing things because they love it yeah and for me i want our next generation to take action we talk about all technology 2019 2020 unfortunately with good technology it's also a big enemy when it's so many things done for you when kids don't know what to do with themselves anymore then they go deep in social media or as Monty mentioned keyboard warrior a lot of the times kids don't know how to play or what to do with themselves anymore so I want to see our next generation still doing things that we used to do I want them to enjoy their free time be entertained pick up hobbies versus just sitting on the phone on social media or doing Fortnite all day long I want them to take action and be happy 
happy, be busy, stay out of a phone, out of a house, do more outdoor activities. That's always what I'm dreaming about. Yeah, and I think it's okay to have those things, but just not... In moderation? Yeah. Yeah, in moderation, for sure. Yeah, I mean, you sure. can't... I mean, you have to look at what my generation did. Of course, my generation is the best, Gen X, right? So <laughs> we lived in a society before there was technology. Then, you know, we lived AG and BG, right? So I think just being more well-rounded. Like right now, I think that's the, the big issue with... I think parents have... And, and this isn't you guys, but mm-hmm. parents have gotten lazy. To me, like, it's easy to stick a tablet in front of somebody. But back in the day, it was my... You know, my dad would be like, go outside. Sure. And we'd be like, what am I going to do? I don't give a shit. Go outside. Yeah. And then we'd figure it out. Great. Like we've yeah. gotten to a point where we don't let kids problem solve as much. We don't let them evolve. And I think our kids, like I said last week, well, this will come out on last week's show. Yep. That's launching tomorrow. So, <laughs> so, but kids have gotten to a point now where they're, they don't know how to problem solve. They have way more tools and resources than we ever had. Like if yeah. I want to go onto YouTube and figure out how to change a tire or, you know, change my oil or learn how to play guitar, or I can find out whatever I want online yep. now. Even for me, I don't have to problem solve as much, but I was born in that generation where I had to figure it out. Our parents were the same way. So I think as parents and any parents out there, I challenge you to like, let your kids cry it out. Let your kids figure it out. Let, mm-hmm. let them learn how to cope and problem solve themselves because that's going to be the, the downfall of their generation. They're going to be fine. They're going to be probably better than our generation anyway. Let them learn how to problem solve and figure it out because emotionally, once you learn how to figure things out, then you're able to cope and, and benefit a little bit better that way yeah you have all the tools needed you just need to put your back to it absolutely you're gonna fall it's about how you get up what about you like what about you 20 years from now how do you want to what do you want to see society i think being able to embrace mistakes i think it's okay to make mistakes you talk about problem solving and and kids uh today have such a a hard time uh, being imperfect when every single person is and so if you're at you know you're 45 years old and, and you find yourself either in a divorce or a job you just get fired and you're like just start my life over that's okay. Yeah. There's no shame involved in that. Absolutely and not. It's just, I hope throughout my kids' lives and really every future child that they're okay hitting the reset button whenever it needs to happen uh, through their friendships, their relationships, their job life, uh, through their dreams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, perfect. Well, good. Well, this has been awesome, Brandon. I mean, uh, I think we really, we covered a lot today. Yeah, great mm-hmm. episode. I and mean, it's our first music episode. I'm so excited. Awesome. <laughs> well, Thank you so much for what you guys are doing. For me, it's awesome because it's not an area that I know that well. I like to sing in the shower and for a few beverages I can wrap out some Snoop Dogg and you know know every lyric that's something I actually do want to get more into as I get older I can't play sports as well so I might have to start learning how to play instruments so yeah you've been talking about playing the guitar just out of curiosity how many instruments you can play Brandon uh I only play I don't know three four something like that guitar is certainly a common interest of people and like you said YouTube or apps like musician are out there and they're so easy to learn a guitar compared to what it used to be like yeah now I need to make that a ultimate excuse of time I just don't yes. have I got other priorities before I start picking that up and doing that but I'm excited about it I might pick up the keyboard too because I think you can do a lot more with a keyboard Absolutely. now and oh yeah I literally know nothing about playing instruments I know you need to learn notes and that's it so that'll be exciting and just having to be patient sure as I learn you know as I learn it like that's the biggest thing is like I think we're in an instant gratifying Absolutely. society right now where we all want that and I'm I'm used to that too is like I try something for an hour and I'm like screw it I'm done and then yep. it's like I mean you've been doing music now for your whole life yeah it's crazy but yeah so Yuri you want to take us away Sure, yeah, I just want to say one more thing. I really loved Brendan's answer. I'm like, he's just four instruments, so it's like four more than I play. The only instrument, it's it, it's a joke. It's the only instrument I can play, I can pull the strings out of my wife. So I do, I can do that really well. 
<laughs> well, one other thing too, I know uh, from reading the website, and for anybody out there listening who's intrigued, Brandon, where can we find your your website? Where can we find all your information? And then also too, you you're at this point now where I think, from what I understand about getting plays going and mm-hmm. musicals going, is there's some funding aspect to some yep. things too, and you're going to need that. You're a, you're actually a nonprofit, right? Yep. Yeah, we're a nonprofit, a registered non-stock corporation. I think is the formal title, oh, but it's wow. a 501c3 organization that we've created. Bookofemptypages.com has all the information. It's got script and music and even the video from the original production. Anyone who's just curious about my show or musical theater in general, I would encourage you to check out the website. Give us some feedback. Uh, yeah, if you're able to help us moving forward with the show, 100% of the whatever we raise goes towards future productions and seeing this show have legs and have a future. And so I just really appreciate what you guys are doing with this podcast. I think it's a wonderful thing for our community. And I would encourage all of the listeners to think of in their own lives, where can you take action? So, yeah. Cool. Thanks, man. Excellent. Thank you very much, Brandon. It was truly incredible story. And you wrote the whole musical, but you also listened what other people wanted to see. You constantly doing changes or improvements. And it's all about teamwork. You cannot pull out the musical doing one person. You have Absolutely. all bring all of your players, all of your actors together, be in the same page, be teamwork, help each other out. So that's how you take action. Yeah. Thanks, man. For sure. Well, guys, we're going to wrap up today. Episode two, season two. So we are, what, 16 episodes in now? It's awesome. I think. Something like that, right? Yes. Six, 16 episodes in. 16, so, 17. Well, there is more to come. So. Oh, absolutely. So we're we're going to be expanding here uh, probably later in the spring with video project. And maybe we can utilize some of those marketing students that are looking for a quick internship before uh, they need a nice little personal reference or something like that over That'd the summer. Great. That'd be awesome. Oh, for but sure. Excited for you guys. Thanks so much for listening. You can find us you know, on all the usual media platforms. You can find us on social media at Take Action Podcast MY or Take Action Pod MY on Twitter. And uh, thanks for listening. Yep. Thank you very much, you guys. We'll see you next week. And thank you, Brandon, for joining us. Thank you. Go Packers. Boom.